Welcome to 27 Speaks, a weekly podcast with the staff of the Express News Group who share their insights into the latest stories making news on the east end of Long Island. 27 Speaks is sponsored by the law firm of Toomey, Latham, Shea, Kelly, Dubin, and Corderaro. Strong advocacy and attentive counsel. Be well advised. SuffolkLaw.com And we are recording. And we are recording. Hey, everyone. How's it going? Hey, wow. You know, it's, okay. <laughs> it's okay. It's just okay. It's February, you know. That's the, it's the shortest month for a reason, right? <laughs> Amen. <laughs> so, yeah, everyone's kind of quiet today, eh? Bill got a haircut. Bill got, well, I cut them all. No, I think you missed one. I can see it sticking up there like alfalfa. Well, it's a little, it's a little furry on my cheeks still. I don't, I don't want to name any names, but some of us aren't in some warm tropical climate. I mean, half of us <laughs> on this podcast are not in some warm tropical climate enjoying the sunshine. It's dark here. And half of us are, which is I'm not even up where I am. It's so funny. I've had Zoom sessions lately with people in the Caribbean, and uh, now there's you guys, and that's in in Hawaii, and uh, Brian's in Florida. Yeah. Well, you know, I don't know about you guys, but maybe it's just my age, but I'm finding that a lot of our friends back in Sac Harbor, East Hampton, and South Hampton have are starting to sort of make this switch. And I'm not sure if it's the COVID work remote thing that's brought it on or just the fact that we're at the point where our children are now in college and we no longer are tied to the school schedule and um and we're just so old we don't want to shovel snow anymore but um a lot of my friends have sort of left the east end for a month or two um this year so i feel like this is the next great migration personally i'm i'm in okay yeah (laughs) i'm I'm packed well don't tell anyone but our my kids are supposed to be in school right now today Uh (laughs) uh-oh I'm telling. <laughs> there is a time delay on all this, so we may be recording this in the middle of summer. Nobody knows. Yeah, nobody knows. That's right. It's, until we start like linking it to the video. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I, 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 I can't imagine they're they're missing much the day before uh, February recess, though. No. Oh, now you've given them full. Uh... Yeah. <laughs> now you've dated us. Especially, <laughs> especially at their ages, they're four and seven. So we're oh, forget it. Oh, all right. You're yeah. fine. You're fine. So I'm going to do the introduction so everybody knows who we are. Um, so Manning the Controls, once again, is Bill Sutton. Hey, Bill. Hi, Annette. I'm Bill Sutton. I'm the managing editor of the Express News Group. And also here is Joe Shaw, wearing plaid. Looks like yes, a lumberjack. Well, well that's lumberjack. the idea. I'm going for the lumberjack look. I'm Joe Shaw. I'm the executive editor of the Express News Group. He's a lumberjack and he's okay. And I'm okay. <laughs> and I'm Annette Hinkle and I'm the arts and living editor of the Express News Group. And also joining us today from Orlando is Brian Tiemann. And Brian is on the West Hampton Beach Village Board, right? Is that correct? Correct. That's right. And that's why you're here today. So we're talking today about, you know, I don't think we talk a lot about Bill's stories, do we? This is kind of a fun one because, Bill, you're usually, I don't know, we're usually talking about airports and um and uh, masks and other other difficult subjects. It's in my contract. I don't write about airports. <laughs> yeah, Bill, Bill was so excited to write this story. I, seriously, I really, I really was. It was very fun. He talked about fun, it for weeks. 
Very fun story to write. Um, from this story is basically the idea of trying to bring back to life one of West Hampton Beach's um, old windmills from the 19th century. And the pictures of this windmill is are just amazing. They're really different looking than any of the other windmills that we see um, further east, like out in um, Watermill or East Hampton even. And from what I read in the story, this windmill, which was attached to a house on an estate, uh, was actually used to pump water, which I thought was fascinating, rather than grind grain, which is, I think, the case further east. Um, but it's also, there's an effort underway um, to move this windmill from private property to the Great Lawn in West Hampton Beach and sort of make it a, a place that people can come and visit. So did I get all that correct, Bill and Brian? Correct. Yeah. So so one, one of the things that I learned in, in writing this story that I didn't know, and I'm thinking a lot of people don't know, is that um, before the turn of the 19th century, there were so many windmills in West Hampton Beach area that the, the village was unofficially dubbed Windmill Town um, just because there were, there were so many windmills. And uh, from what I understand from, from historian Larry Jones, most of them, if not all of them, were used for this purpose. They were used to uh, to bring up water um, for 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 the estates and for farming. Huh. So I wonder, did we have these? I wonder if we have these same kind of windmills further east, like from Southampton to Montauk. I've never really heard of those um, out, you know, in, in East Hampton town. And I don't know. Was it unusual? Was there something, or were there just more farm fields maybe going around and going on in um, West Hampton Beach? I've been told that this was the only water pumping window on Long Island um, hmm. <clears throat> from reliable sources. I'm not sure if, if it's you know confirmed, but uh, that's that's what I've been told by some of the people involved in the project. Huh. But you had there were like three dozen windmills in West Hampton Beach at one time, right? Correct. Yeah. But only well, only this one was the a water one. I'm not sure about that. I I mean I. I and I could be wrong, but I, I thought um, Larry Jones said one the mo the majority of, of them in West Hampton Beach were water pumping. Of of all the windmills that are preserved on Long Island that were restored, this would be the only one that was a water pumping windmill. Um, but maybe I have that wrong. I'm not sure. So Brian, do you want to talk a little bit about the, of how the idea of moving the windmill came up and sort of the challenges uh, that you're going to be facing and and why it's coming up now? The the, the um, interest in moving it to the Great Lawn. So this this came about essentially because new owners of the residential property were uh, set to demolish the house. Uh, the house was in pretty bad disrepair. Um, so this all surfaced because they were going to demolish, but I guess recognized that this windmill, you know, had some sort of importance or relevance and contacted the historical society and the village and said they wanted to donate it, which was a lovely gesture, but obviously there, there are costs and, and, um, and challenges with accepting something like that. So our first step was, you know, we started thinking about locations for it and that really was the easy part. Um, you know, we kind of halted and said, well, let's stop thinking about locations until we find out if we can fund the project. Um, you know, that really, that really was the, the, the bigger challenge. So um, I started by contacting um, Assemblyman Field, um, who has just been a great supporter of the village's efforts over the past few years. 
Um, and he just basically said, oh, I have money allocated for something just like that. Um, and he just offered up, you know, I'll send you some paperwork, the village can uh, fill it out, I could get you $125,000. And, you know, it's a no small chunk of change. So that helped. It was, uh, it, it was great. So Fred essentially um, jump-started the, the, the funding of it. And then, um, then we got a little bit creative and started talking to uh, Lisa Kongrick uh, for the CPF and understanding that the CPF has essentially three or originally three uses uh, for that, for the funding. One of those three is historic preservation. Um, so we started a dialogue with her and with uh, Supervisor uh, Schneiderman and Councilman Bouvier uh, and all worked together and, you know, kind of um, picked up the rest of the slack with potential CPF money. So. Once money was figured out, then we jumped right over and said, okay, where do we want to put this? And the Great Lawn was our, the favorite of many of ours uh, out, of, out of a few options. Um, it being CPF owned property in the first place, managed by the village, but owned by CPF. So kind of all comes together and it's a great entrance piece into the Main Street area. There, there, were, some, there were some other other options, though, you guys were talking about the Village Marina, which I think was was one popular option, um, and grounds of, of the historic society, and, and all that. But it just seemed to make sense to, to, to put it, like you said, the entryway to the villages, as people are coming in. And you guys have a lot of, uh, host a lot of events on, on the Great Lawn as, as well, right? Yeah, yeah, we um, we have events there. We are limited with how many events we can have uh, based on the conditions of the purchase uh, by CPF from the church uh, who originally owned it. Um, so we're limited with quantity, but we we do six events, six big events per year on the Great Lawn. Uh, recently, one of those has been um, reenactments of uh, both Revolutionary War and Civil War reenactments of camps so you know i think if we can tie uh the history of the windmill into more events like that i think it'd be really really awesome for uh for, for the events to um to incorporate some local history you know in a permanent structure there and um yeah the the, the marina i loved the marina idea uh, one of the issues there is flooding so it would have to have been elevated pretty high uh which kind of would have I think compromised the, the 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 accuracy, I guess, of of what the windmill used to look like by elevating it like twelve feet, getting handicapped access into it and things like that. So that kind of shot the marina down and um, space over by the historical society on Mill Road um, was was the issue. It just would have been way out of scale. Uh, it's a small plot of land and wouldn't be able to fit it there so and 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 the great lawn i think it's a fantastic option and it's also it's it's a windmill but it's it's a dwelling right i mean it's it's sort of a house and it doesn't have any just for people it doesn't have the sails on the windmill or anything right now you wouldn't know necessarily that it was a windmill right now right good point it's actually it actually looks more like a lighthouse um than than a windmill right now without the without the uh blades so what was it a was it a a windmill that was turned into a house or was it a windmill that was part of the house or how how what's the history of that? They 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 built around 
previous previous property owners built around the windmill. It was once freestanding and actually I think had been moved to its current location, but they had kind of built adjoining rooms to it. And uh, Larry Jones had, had said that he thinks that they probably used it as a bedroom at one point, but you can imagine how tight um, how tight that would have been. So how tall is the windmill? Do we know the height of it? It's 40 feet tall. Um, it's got an 18 foot base um, constructed in 1874. Mm. So you imagine 18 foot base trying to use that as a room. I mean, that's not a lot of square footage. So do we know when it was not when it, they stopped using it as an actual wind, windmill to pump water? As you could say, I, I I don't know offhand, but I think it was it's been quite a while. I mean, this was late 1800s that it was built, and interesting. Um, you know, one of the funny things that that Larry Jones had said is is you know it was so there was a, an estate on the property, and it was it drew water, and that supplied water to 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 the house there to the to the building there, and he said it was um, back then it was. Um, quite a thing to have indoor plumbing and indoor bathrooms. And, and so I imagine as, you know, as, as that technology advanced and, you know, and, and there was no longer farm fields to, um, or, or gardens to, you know, that, that you needed to pump that water up because you brought in, you know, town, town plumbing and all that, that, that probably you didn't need it that much anymore. I, I don't know the history though. I mean, it, it could have just stopped working at one point and So, um, so you got a big job ahead of you now, Brian. I'm just wondering if you wanted to talk a little bit about the challenges of a moving a windmill, how far you have to move it, and and maybe the steps you're going to have to take to to get it back to where you want it. You know, are you going to? I mean, you're obviously not going to make it pump water again, but you know, what are the plans maybe for the interior and the rebuilding of the blades, and um, you know, will they turn? And some of the thought about what you're facing with that whole project. So a lot of those uh, points that you brought up in those questions are things that we are currently figuring out now. Um, you know, as I mentioned, money was the, was the first concern or first challenge, location second, and um, how it's going to be redone or be um, determined. One of the interesting things that I found about this structure is that, so as it flares out at the bottom, it's, uh, I think they even use the term skirt, but it, it, it's, it, it's like a skirt. Um, and I'm pretty sure, pretty sure that's the term, but the interior is kind of a straight wall. The outside, it flares out at the bottom. Um, mm -hmm. I, I, I gather that that's for, you know, um, uh, stability reasons, uh, possibly even um, something to do with, you know, um, wind um, uh, deflecting it in a certain way. Uh, something like that, but um, I, I think, and we've yet to talk to the movers or, you know, any professionals that would tell us how this is done, but I think it's going to be taken apart to some degree. Um, I don't know in how many pieces. There's also some exterior uh, work that will need to be done because of the connection at the, that, that Bill mentioned, the connection to the house. Uh, it was connected on multiple multiple sides. You're disconnecting it from the house right. and just moving the windmill, right? The house has already been demolished. So so the, the, that part of it, the connecting parts have already been demolished. 
Gotcha. Which Brian led, but you guys had to work pretty quickly here because there there is a deadline. This couple wants to build the build the new home and they need the windmill kind of out of the way to to do that. So as you were trying to to figure out all the money stuff and how this is going to work, you had that that underlying um, you know deadline pressure. Yeah, yeah, and I and I do have to uh, you know give credit uh, to not only the homeowners for their generosity and patience, but the builder, uh, really, uh, a guy named Chris, um, uh, he's in the photo that Dana took uh, of us at the windmill, but he and his partner were, um, were so accommodating um, in terms of timeline for demolishing the house and really worked together with us um, to, you know, to, to delay things until we figured money out. So uh, it really, you know, on the topic of uh, being a team effort, it really involved so many different parties uh, to, to work together to get this, get this done. And let's, let's acknowledge the homeowners, Adam and, and Dee Dee Hutt, who, um, who certainly didn't need to, to donate this uh, windmill. They could have certainly just torn it down and, and moved ahead with, um, with, with their uh, building project and, and all that, but saw the significance and and uh, and were responsive to uh, to these village officials. And the company is is CMT Builders, and the owners are Chris Troon. Do I have that right, Brian? Chris Troon. Yes. And uh, Justin Schnapp. Right. Local support comes from the law firm of Toomey, Latham, Shea, Kelly, Dubin, and Corderaro. In these trying times, working full-time for their clients and the public interest, providing strong advocacy and attentive counsel. Be well advised. SuffolkLaw.com 27 Speaks, brought to you by Sag Harbor Books and Southampton Books. Independent bookstores located in the villages at 7 Main Street in Sag Harbor and 16 Hampton Road in Southampton. Carrying a wide selection of new books, stationery, toys, games, first editions, and rare books. Their entire inventory is browsable on the website, SouthamptonSagHarborBooks.com. Now hiring booksellers at both locations. Now, as far as the um, actually moving the structure, are you looking at a specific deadline? Is there a time the point at which you have to have it off of that property? And what are the plans for um, getting it and when, you know, moving it? And is it going to be one of those things where everyone's going to turn out and see it going down the street? Or is it going to be packed up in boxes and reassembled? Good question. I, um, I don't think it will be. Uh, I think it's somewhere in between those two. Um, I think it will be taken in pieces. Um, but uh, I, I would say we'll know the answers to that within the next week. We're literally at the, th that step now where we can begin discussion with some movers and talk logistics. Um, timeline, uh, I, I don't know of a drop dead date. I, I know that um, the, the demolition of the house was on hold um, until we confirmed that we would take it, which obviously we did, and then they demolished the house. So it was kind of step one was committing to it so that they didn't demolish the windmill itself. And then um, the house is, the foundation is poured. So it's, it's being built. Uh, so it's kind of in a way, but not, not 
front and center in, in the way. So probably swimming pool or some other uh, type of work. Um, it's very close to it. The foundation comes kind of right up to it, but for now it's not holding them up. Let me ask you this, Brian, could, could the property owners have knocked it down without asking? Was there any reason they couldn't have just demolished this thing? I believe, I believe they could have um, because it's, it was not landmarked. Uh, I know that it wasn't landmarked because we are doing that right now. Uh, it has to be landmarked to qualify for that historic preservation money from CPF. Um, so the fact that we are getting it landmarked to qualify for that money, um, I believe, uh, you know, would have eliminated the them not not being able to tear it down. So hats off to them, you know, for for being willing to take the yeah. initiative on that. Yeah. And I'm curious about the grant that um, Fred Theo was able to get you. Was that a historic preservation grant as well? Or was it some other sort of like um, improvement grant for villages and towns? It's a great question. Um, the reason I actually contacted Fred was because I had heard that he was involved with another windmill preservation project. I believe it was in Stony Brook. Um, I could be wrong, but uh, or to talk it or something like that. Um, but there was knowledge um, that that he was involved with some sort of preservation of a windmill, and this money, uh, as, as as I understand it, was earmarked for something just like that. Uh, I mean, like actually not just historic. It wasn't general funds, and it wasn't just historic. It was actually something. Kind of related to, to wind power, I believe. Wow, that's interesting. I think that's really interesting. As we're as we're um, looking to build a wind farm off the coast of uh, yeah. of East Hampton, we're looking to bring back a wind. You know, that's what's so funny. If every if everyone's afraid of the new technology, it's like, well, it's pre existing. This wind technology, it's been yeah. around for a while. History echoes, doesn't it? Yeah. And that it's actually uh, I like I like the men mention that, and I didn't have to do a shameless plug, but I, I work with Orson. Oh, you do. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so so South Fork Wind, we we had the groundbreaking last yeah. week, um, and uh, that's New York's first offshore wind farm. Um, mm -hmm. And then uh, and we have Sunrise Wind right behind it, uh, probably breaking ground in between one and two years, and that's that's about ten times the size of wow. South Fork Wind. So I have to say, and this is the a weirdest coincidence that you're involved at both ends of this. Right. <laughs> wow, that's great. <laughs> it just goes to show, I mean, the wind energy has been uh, uh, something that the East End was was tapping long before uh, modern times. Exactly. We're, we're yeah. looking at the past, the present, and the future of wind right now. Wow, that's fascinating. Wow, that's very interesting. Yeah. Do you have a windmill in your own backyard, Brian, to make your own little power, kind of like a solar power plant all wood in your uh, house? You know, if 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 the, that damn village would just ease up on restrictions, I you know. <laughs> uh, so that's what there's really an ulterior motive here. You're like trying to bring the swindle back, so it's so suddenly there's a uh, precedent for you to like get a little backyard windmill. Exactly, going. I'm I'm, I'm, pl I'm planting the seeds. I actually do have solar though. My house is covered in solar panels. Good for you. Yeah. Good for you. Well, I have to say here, here in here in, in Maui, um, solar and wind is a big thing. You see it everywhere. Yeah. Um, so, because the sun shines and the wind blows, so no shortage of either of those things here. That's yep. very funny. 
Um, so, so once you uh, once you get the windmill moved, what what's the long term um, vision for how it's going to look and function? Is it going to be um, kind of retrofitted to appear as it did? in historic times so people can go and kind of tour it or is it going to be more of like an, a space where um, people can go and have events or just wondering what you're um, sort of envisioning in terms of that my my, my vision uh in a nutshell is i would love to actually see it function the way it, the way it did um you know we can we can irrigate the great lawn uh with it um i i'd like to see it as close to if not exactly how it was when it was in its prime, uh, functioning, pumping water, demonstrating, um, you know, the whole nine yards. That's, that's, that's my, that would goal. be really cool. Yeah, absolutely. I imagine that's, a. have, have you, uh, you certainly have connections to people that know how windmills work. Is that something that you think is, is going to be, have you talked to anybody about that? I mean, I know that seems like it's a little bit further down the road, but I just wonder how complicated it would be to make that happen. I, I really don't think it would be very complicated um, to, the, to the extent that we want to restore it uh, aesthetically and, and, and um, uh, you know, to, to, to the way it was when it was working. Uh, I, I really, you know, having a decent knowledge of, of how this stuff works mechanically, I don't think it'd be all that challenging to, to get it to function. I, we're going to do blades. It's just a water pump, right? I, I mean, it's pow powered yeah. by the blades, but it's just a pump that right. that goes down into a well and and uh, brings the water up. Yep, exactly. Pretty straightforward. So there's one. There's water under that great lawn. Is that right? There's water under there. You wouldn't need it to do anything, right? Just spin and be pretty. That's all it would really need yeah. to do. You could just have like a five gallon pull and spring down there, just kind of, <laughs> you know, just. It's like yes, it's working. Sure. <laughs> well, I, I think yeah, I mean the the idea is that it it could be you know like a little mini historical yeah. museum. So if you can get it functioning and bringing the water up, and and show you know students and kids and and you know just members of the community what what this windmill did you know a couple hundred years ago and you know in its simplicity, but how it operated and how it worked and. You know, not just a pretty windmill, you know, in, in the background, but but to use it, you know, to educate people about the past, I think is a really cool idea. I do, I do too. And and I think, you know, I think the other thing that we just touched to about the future of wind power is this is what wind can do. Um, it can pump water, it can grind things, and it can create power, which is what we're doing offshore. And um, you know, I think now is a perfect time to to show the history of wind power sure so once the the structure is moved and renovated is it going to then like be transferred to a historical society or an organization to kind of run it um i'm just wondering if if you've thought about that or who's actually going to be sort of the steward of it yeah so um another great question uh from what i've learned through the process is that in order to qualify for that cpf money um that it's got to be landmarked and that I believe the village is going to uh, need to take ownership of it. Um, you know, we'll probably form some sort of uh, agreement and partnership with the historical society um, for them to be able to use it for their purposes and maybe, you know, help contribute to maintenance of it. Uh, but yeah, it's going to, it's going to have to be taken um, village will have to yeah. take ownership of it. So I imagine, I mean, I'm just envisioning like what are one of the harder parts of this is going to be also find someone to re 
build the blades. I would think that there's not a whole lot of windmill blade rebuilders out there anymore. So um, I'm just, you know, do you know a lot of handy folks that could kind of make that happen? You know, Brian, Brian actually coincidentally has a windmill blade company. Yeah, I kind that, of wouldn't that... be surprised. <laughs> I thought he might. It, you know, it's, um, it, it's, it's, it's not, uh, it's not far off where we're going to have, you know, people doing stuff like this. Yeah. We definitely have a lot of great community members, uh, who are builders who have offered already to help out. Um, thanks. Thanks mostly to you guys for, for bringing awareness to it through the story. Um, I got a massive amount of feedback, uh, and kudos, um, oh, cool. Due, due to the story, like massive, you know, people thumbs up and, and people making comments. This is so cool. Um, all on that story to build it, uh, which was fantastic. And um, so, yeah, we, we I, like to hear that. Yeah, you know, it was great. It was, I, you know, it, people, people like a story like that these days. You know, it's not every day that you read a story that's so, uh, you know, that's so positive and happy and with all the stuff going on in the world. So, um, yeah, a lot of people have come out of the woodwork, uh, pun partially intended. Um, <laughs> And, uh, and I, I think we're going to have a real good community effort to, uh, to, to rebuild things. We'll probably even be, you know, at the point where we'll have to refuse some help, I think, based on the response so far. And as you know, village board members don't always get a lot of, like, positive reinforcement in their day-to-day -day work. So and, just, yeah. And, and back, back to your question, Annette, about, about the blades. And again, talking to the, um, uh, how would you describe Larry Jones? He's, he's a historical preservationist is that yeah yeah i mean uh, that works so yeah so 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 in speaking to him he said the the blades aren't usually the the you know the the issue those are fairly easy to reproduce what what's going to be difficult is the um the shaft which was um which was a white oak shaft that weighed about 2500 pounds and that's the the you know the thing that drives drives up and down and um People listening can't see my motioning, but I'm doing an up and down thing with my hand. Um, he said that that's the difficult part, and I, I imagine it is. I mean, it, it's it's got to be the, you know, the height of of the windmill and go down, you know, go down fairly deep and 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 all that. And they want to produce, you know, reproduce the stuff to be as accurate, you know, as possible to uh, to what was there. It's not a, not a cheap undertaking, Brian. Right? I, I mean, we're we're talking about. I, I think the. The estimates were between forty and eighty grand to to move the windmill, and then at least another um, four hundred thousand to um, to renovate it, yep. and, and maybe more because there's always things that come up while you're while you're doing that. But the CPF is going to pay for for a large portion of that, right? And I know you talked about Fred Fred Thiel's money, but there was also there's a, a there was an endowment left to the village, right? That that can be utilized with this. Yeah, yeah, it was um, it was actually a pretty uh, loose uh, endowment. Um, basically, I think it was categorized as like you know, improved <laughs> future village improvements, like very, very, very vague. Um, and based on the what we know about the the woman who left it, um, we all we all agree that this would be you know really up her alley. So um, yeah, that's a, that's a contribution too. And, and that's without any fundraising yet. You know, I've had people actually offer saying, how can I donate 
happy to the project. I said, we don't, we haven't even gotten that far yet, but thank you, you know, we'll, we'll get in touch. So, you know, it's, uh, again, great attention has been brought to it. So people are really excited. So, you know, what I was curious about is, um, do we know where the, where the original location of this windmill is? You'd mentioned it had been moved, but was there any chance that it was on the Great Lawn initially, or um, just wondering where it might have sat um, in its early days? Bill, you might have gotten uh, more color on this than I have. Yeah, I, I think if it was moved, it was only, you know, um, you know, a couple properties over from where it is on, on between. So it was, you know, from one from one property to another. I, I imagine, okay, you know, so uh, mm-hmm. I don't know how you move a windmill in, you know, in, in the 1800s, but that that must have been something to see. Did you not see the shipping news? <laughs> Just wondering. <laughs> Two guys, long rope, they yeah. got it. Hey, to be windmill town, you got to do yeah, the work. Exactly. Right? <laughs> That's right. I'd be like, I could just see these guys hauling it. It's like, wow, I wish we could use wind to move this thing. Yeah. That'd be nice. Just put it on like a sled and let the wind take it. There, there was uh, apparently, allegedly, on, on Main Street in West Hampton Beach, um, uh, a company, a building moving company um, back then, which, which Larry Jones had mentioned. And I don't have any, um, you know, any more information other than that. And he imagines that, uh, that that company <laughs> did a lot of work moving windmills around. It was it was actually a lot easier back then. From I mean, people took their house with them. Like I think Murph's Tavern right. in Sac Harbor came from Connecticut. It's like you know a 17th century structure that was brought over. And you have to remember, like you know, before the 1910s or so, there were no power lines to worry about. You know, so a lot less complicated actually. A lot of houses been moved around, yeah. so not unheard of. But I don't think Brian's got a windmill moving company up his sleeve, does he? Not yet. Thanks for the idea. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Anything's possible. <laughs> All right. It's cool stuff. No, I'm. I'm just. I'm just ha- happy to hear that uh, that it's being well received in in the village, and um, you know, it, it's it's always great when we can come in as you know as the community community newspaper and. And kind of recognize the you know the work that you guys are doing, Brian, to you know to put this kind of stuff together. Oh, thank you. Twenty Seven Speaks is sponsored by the law firm of Toomey, Latham, Shea, Kelly, Dubin, and Corderaro. Strong advocacy and attentive counsel. Be well advised. SuffolkLaw.com. Thank you for listening. Join us again next week to hear what's news on the East End. Our interlude flute music is by Allison O'Reilly. Our opening and closing theme music is Boysdale Blues, written and performed by the incomparable Judy Carmichael. Listen to Judy's weekly show, Jazz Inspired, airing on an NPR station near you, or go to jazzinspired.com. 27 Speaks is a weekly podcast produced by the Express News Group, which includes the Southampton Press, the East Hampton Press, the Sag Harbor Express, 27East.com, and SagHarborExpress.com. Find us on the websites or subscribe through Apple Podcasts. 